Hello and welcome to the Good Fight Podcast. I'm Brian Holm and this is uh, Season 2, Episode 12, uh, Part 2 of our treatment of the Great Reset. So um, a couple of weeks ago, Denver handled the uh, the episode all by himself because uh, I wasn't available. And tonight I get to handle the episode because Denver's not available. He got uh, tied up with some schoolwork and and so uh, it's uh, just just us tonight. But we certainly wish him well and just really admire the way he's handling the schoolwork and and um, um, how he's able to do such a good job of balancing everything out. We told you last time uh, that on this episode, we would explain the World Economic Forum's eight uh, quote-unquote predictions for 2030, and we're going to do that. Uh, if you haven't already done so, please go back and listen to episode 11, uh, because it'll give you the background that you need to kind of um, uh, carry on with this episode. Uh, but the, the it's been a real challenge for me in putting together this material, and the more I dig into not just the great episode, great reset, because that ends up being just pretty much a blip on the radar uh, and a good window into what the uh, the World Economic Forum and related things are all about. But um, uh, I, I want to give you ahead of time what I think uh, I intend to be the bottom line for this episode. And that is uh, not just to, to comment on those eight predictions, but, but mainly I, I want to really present that there is, is a war on right now and that we are all combatants in that war, whether we know, whether we know it or not. Uh, and there are sides in this war. And for those of us that claim to be uh, uh, biblical Christians, uh, that there uh, are definitely biblical indications uh, that would indicate what side in the war that we should be on. And it's, it's, it's going on all around us. And, and yet one of the things that we as Americans, I think, are privileged with is that the peace and stability that God has provided uh, by his grace and also by the, through the, the Judeo-Christian values that kind of underpin um, uh, our, our republic that we have, uh, is that we don't tend to uh, to to think about things unless they're of direct import to us. Well, it's getting to the point where they are, and so uh, we just want to present that. So uh, I, I want to try to make a good case for that. Uh, the solution to this is uh, to understand why um, uh, why our republic has has been such a blessing to us. What helped established it what's maintained it throughout the years and what's necessary to know and do now in order to try to slow or stop the uh the, the train of what's uh, what's going down because basically what's happening is that uh is that what's what's at work all around us is a purposeful effort to bring down uh this republic and the freedom and liberty that it represents and so uh, we just want to try to do everything we can to slow down or stop that train because it's not going anywhere good. So we'll try to make the best case we can for that. Um, so uh, to answer one of our questions from last week, the Great Reset in its simplest sense is not a conspiracy theory. Uh, take a look at that Imprimus article from uh, Hillsdale, and it will explain a little bit more about how, uh, if anything, the the what's at stake is is much more grand than that uh, uh, than that just that Great Reset. Um, but uh, we don't want to be alarmists about it. But in, in the long term effects are a lot more ominous than even that Great Reset. So, um, uh, you know. 
as I said, our peace and stability as Americans has kind of uh, presents an obstacle to um, to trying to get some of these points across and uh, describing what's going on. It's kind of like if you're uh, if you're asleep at one end of the house uh, and the other end of the house is on fire, do you want somebody to tell you about that? So uh, we'll see about that. So uh, that's the introduction. I'm going to uh, say some things in our first um, uh, our, our first segment about um, uh, just about what makes these ideas behind the Great Reset and what the World Economic Forum has got going. What makes them of such concern, and why they are they are so against all of the good things that we've described uh, about our republic that we have. Uh, just to whet your appetite before we take the break, uh, I'm just going to give you a thumbnail of those eight predictions, and then we'll talk about it a little bit later in our third section. So here they are. Number one, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Number two, the U.S. won't be the world's leading superpower. Again, this is by 2030. Number three, you won't die waiting for an organ donor. Interesting. Number four, you'll eat much less meat. Okay. Number five, a billion people will be displaced by climate change. Number six, polluters will have to pay to emit carbon dioxide. Number seven, you could be preparing to go to Mars. And finally, number eight, Western values will have been tested to their breaking point. So there we go. You can uh, kind of anticipate uh, each one of those has a corollary that uh, the the World Economic Forum put out with that. But I'll save that for a third segment. We'll be back in just a second and dig into some of the things that uh, make this so uh, ominous and seemingly dangerous to us. back. As we said, uh, our, our third segment today will uh, consist of me kind of commenting on those uh, eight predictions and their corollaries. Uh, but I think before we do that, I, I would like to kind of make a case about why there, there's the war on and what some of the ideas are uh, that are being warred about and why they're, uh, they are, are very, um, very dangerous and something that we, we should really try to do battle against. So here are some of those things. So uh, the, one of the ideas that Klaus, Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, has said that, first of all, that, that the sovereign state has become obsolete. So in other words, national governments as themselves, they become obsolete for uh, being able to, uh, to, to, to govern themselves uh, and in his form of uh, kind of globalist thinking, being an advocate of one world government to govern the world. And so he has proposed and has, I think, even set up to an extent 40 what he calls global agenda councils and industry sector bodies. And so this is that whole business of uh, of stakeholders. So he proposes that that these kinds of groups are the best groups of people to develop proposals and ultimately decisions related to a whole gamut of global issues from climate change to cybersecurity. So just at the outset, one, one of the dangers of that is that, okay, who decides who's on those councils? How long are their terms? Uh, and just the, the whole, and, and then 
who holds them accountable and how are they held accountable and to what are they held accountable. So, uh, so that's, it, it's, it's very concerning in that matter. Another thing is that uh, he says that corporations are put at the heart of this model. Um, so uh, in, in his view that the, the, the possibilities of this will provide, and here's a quote, agile governance drawing on the private sector's experience of adapting to a new, fast-changing environment. So one of the things that we see around, and one of the things that's hard, we heard, you know, never let a crisis go to waste. We've got to do this right now, whether it's shutting down for COVID or whether it is taking on global warming, uh, that there's such a crisis happening right now, we have to deal with it now. Uh, and we've even heard uh, uh, business leaders and political leaders express admiration for places like China uh, because uh, they, they're able to get things done so efficiently. So they, they don't have to go through this whole democratic uh, sausage making process. We don't have to worry about people yammering on about this and that, uh, that, that we can just do away with all that and we can do what we know is right without having to worry about all that stuff. So... Um, uh, and governments are encouraged to, to, to take on every issue by allying, uh, allying with private sector in public-private partnerships. So, um, so these partnerships, you know, they, they say they take in a few selected civil society people or, or just regular people uh, to legitimize the process. But uh, I've had experience in, in things like that when I worked at the school district that uh, a lot of times they knew what they wanted to do and they just pulled in a few people to, to say that we, we had public stakeholder uh, input, but they knew exactly what they wanted to do. So, uh, you know, how issues are framed, who's chosen from what sectors, uh, whose benefit is this for and who's, who are they accountable to, all that stuff is, uh, is swept under the carpet. So, you know, as I look at this, kind of my conclusions are that, you know, all of this is, it's undemocratic to its very core, uh, not to mention it's, it's against any kind of idea of a republic. Uh, and you can go back and review our, our segment about what uh, uh, the difference between a democracy and a republic uh, that talks about that. The, the, the voice of the minority, which is one of the things that the, the, a republic helps to account for, is totally insignificant that the corporate or government elites dominate. And again, how the elites are chosen, uh, what the term limits are, how people get on and off these things, not, not addressed at all. Uh, a lot of decisions are made behind closed doors. And uh, kind of our hero for this week is Patrick Henry. And so uh, I've got a couple quotes from him that we'll do the main quote of the week later. But one of his quotes that he said, it was in the same speech as kind of his give me liberty or give me death speech. He said that, uh, that, that in proportion to the magnitude of the subject ought to be the freedom of the debate. And it's the only way that we can hope to arrive at truth and fulfill the great responsibility which we hold to God and our country. So I, I really like that because not it, we don't want to shut down the debate. We want to keep the debate open. And the more important it is, or the, the, more, uh, uh, the more significant the subject, the more the debate has to be, not the less. Okay, And so uh, this idea of agility and efficiency 
uh, has its downside. And, and that's one of the great correctives to our ways, even though it's messy and it takes time, uh, the decision to end up getting made uh, in, in those ways are, uh, it's, it's, it, there's a good chance of them being uh, good and enduring over time. So this is completely opposite to the principles America's was built on, and it's automatically anti-American. Um, uh, and it's not that some workable ideas haven't been formulated on the surface, but it's the foundation and the core of that that are rotten. And so uh, we can address the issues in, uh, in a good, uh, a positive, grounded way without that stuff uh, rotten to the core couple more things before we take our plague. It's completely godless, almost by definition. You know, they may pay lip service to regional deities and some kind of a relativistic, all roads lead to the same place thing. But, but, um, uh, but at the bottom line, it's completely dominated by the, the wisdom, quote unquote, of a small group of elites. Uh, the, the crises are used as excuses to take away freedoms and to squash that debate and free speech that Patrick Henry was saying uh, are so uh, Im- important. Um, so like crises like the, like uh, climate change and COVID uh, are things that, yes, they, they need to be addressed to some extent, but they're used to force uh, on us these uh, very undemocratic and, uh, in essence, uh, things that will rob us of the very things that we hold so dear. Uh, and the last thing I want to put out uh, is that uh, behind all of it as the ultimate enforcement mechanism is force. Force is behind all of this. So uh, uh, later on, we'll hear from, from, again from Patrick Henry. He talks about uh, the ultimate goal of solving problems in this republic is, is to try to bring about a work of love and reconciliation as much as possible. And I know there's lots of nuances to this, but when you look at the way the Canadian truckers thing was handled uh, or January 6th was handled, uh, that... Um, uh, there was no no uh, trying for a work of love or reconciliation there, and the the heavy handed overreach of of uh, of the government uh, was very much in play there. Uh, we're going to come back in a second, and uh, we'll do a lightning round, um, uh, a one person lightning round. Give you some good news, and then come back and about and talk about those uh, eight predictions. Be back in a second. Welcome back. And uh, here's the one person lightning round today. The, um, uh, the, the purpose that we have this is just to, aside from the topic of the, the main topic of the day, just giving uh, Denver and I a chance to uh, talk a little bit about something that's especially on our mind. So um, uh, the good news will be very refreshing after this because these things I want to point out uh, are things that seem very and I know I'm using the word ominous a lot, but uh, uh, for, for those of us that are California residents, it just is, has so saddened me, just the barrage of, of legislation that's being proposed that is just so, uh, so, so evil and bad for our state and the individuals in the state and for our freedom. And so I'm just going to just give you a thumbnail. Uh, if you're in the state there, if you go to Real Impact, uh, dot us, I believe, 
that will give you the ways that you can respond to this. But just to be aware, elections have consequences. And uh, here's five or six bills that are just very dangerous and things that's worth our time to really try to influence our legislature not to enact. Here we go. Now, first one, AB 2223 uh, will literally make infanticide or the killing of unborn babies legal, or born babies legal in California. Uh, Denver and I take great um, uh, pains not to be alarmist on our podcast. And I know this sounds that. But here's some of the, the language from the bill. It states that a person will not be subject to criminal or civil or criminal liability or penalty based on their actions with respect to their pregnancy or actual potential or alleged pregnancy outcome, including miscarriage, stillbirth, abortion, or perinatal death. And here perinatal can be defined uh, as up to a number of weeks after birth. So, in other words, no no legal consequences. If you're pregnant and your baby happens to die, that is completely on us. And it's, it's, it sounds so unbelievable, but that's what the bill says. Here's the next one. SB 906 uh, is an edu- in the Education Committee. It will require parents to disclose to their child's school if they have a firearm in their home, and if so, answer questions uh, regarding the ownership, storage, and accessibility of the firearm. Now, uh, there are laws in place about firearm safety. Nobody uh, likes firearms being used um, illegally. but And, and this is uh, ostensibly about school safety. But underneath this is the uh, uh, attempts to... Uh, to, uh, to to violate our privacy and to get in the way of uh, of the privacy of people who legally uh, own guns without any probable cause whatsoever, uh, and so no matter you know if if, if firearms are part of your life, uh, it, it's a crazy overreach of that. Next thing, uh, SB one three seventy five. Uh, another abortion bill that will uh, reduce the qualifications uh, needed of nurse practitioners to perform abortions. So basically, uh, they will let them perform them without a physician or surgeon's supervision. So in other words, it won't even require a doctor uh, to be present, that nurses are perfectly fine to do this. And just be, again, because of the other bill, uh, if the baby dies um, or if, if there are problems with that, kind of so what? So uh, just it's decreasing the, um, the complexity uh, of being able to get an abortion and really endangering the life uh, of, of many women that are seeking that. Here's the next one. SB 1302 um, uh, provides for increased fund, funding for quote-unquote wellness centers uh, in schools uh, that, uh, that basically are play places that they can, uh, without parents, no- uh, knowledge necessarily, uh, get counseling for depression, anxiety, sexual identity, uh, stress, uh, self-esteem, all that stuff, uh, sexual transmitted, uh, disease and pregnancy, uh, uh, prevention and, and care again, without parents, knowledge, treatment of sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, and, uh, these are things that, uh, really, the school has no business being involved with uh, other than to help report things to parents and let them take it from there. Next one, AB 2229, California bill that would place uh, officers 
um, uh, who adhere to a biblical view of gender, religion, or sexual orientation um, uh, at a high risk of discrimination. So uh, peace officers or police officers would, would be required to pass an evaluation that would test for bias. So here again, bias is not uh, really defined and is so subject to uh, to the whims of the people doing the testing uh, that it really uh, amounts to be just being a filter for people that might adhere to, uh, to to biblical views of things. Again, very dangerous. Next one, SB one four six four requires law enforcement agencies to enforce all orders from uh, basically all public health orders, like to get involved in enforcing mask mandates and vaccine mandates and all that stuff. Uh, and it uh, withholds state funds from any law enforcement agency that would oppose that or adopt the policy to oppose that, like many counties. Uh, I was proud of counties just re- realizing that we're not going to spend um, uh, our law enforcement time and energy and forces uh, enforcing things that are m- much less important than the things we feel are important for our own district. So anyway, I know that there's lots to think about, but again, the, 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 there's so much more underneath the surface, so much that uh, undermines our our freedoms by these things that I think to a, to a one important that they be uh, that they they be opposed or at least uh, considered and even the arguments in favor of them really filtered through these values that we have. Okay, here's our good news. Elon Musk bought uh, around 10% of Twitter uh, and with his idea to get back free speech. And uh, uh, it's, it's so important. And now just even today, the news came out, Elon Musk is going to be on the board and Twitter just outright canceling people uh, because they don't say things that are, are according to the party line that Twitter thinks is right. If there's a fact checker, who's checking the fact checkers? And I just point out there's a difference between uh, a media platform, which is supposed to be neutral just to let people get their ideas out there, and, and a publisher, uh, which can have a perspective and can take sides. Social media, they're given special legal privileges as platforms, but they're acting like publishers when they, publishers when they uh, overreach this. Real quick, uh, finally, Florida continues to double down and resist uh, Disney's continued uh, pushback at the signing of that parental rights and education bill. And, you know, uh, I I would just point out that the polling uh, that, uh, you know, Disney is kind of claiming the moral high ground that... uh, uh, you know that they're they're pushing back that this never should have been passed. But listen to the statistics uh, of who supports this law. Democrats in Florida by fifty five to twenty nine percent support the law. Suburban voters support it by sixty to thirty percent. Parents support it by sixty seven to twenty four percent. People who have LGBT acquaintances support it by sixty one to twenty eight percent. Even Biden voters support that Florida law by 53 to 30%. So uh, talk about being on the wrong side of things. Uh, I continue to applaud Ron DeSantis and the state of Florida. And um, I I, I want to buy a bottle of Ron DeSantis to try to speak into uh, the situations I'm called to with that kind of boldness and clarity, calling out the motives of the people that that are, are against this. And uh, and carrying on for the sake of the uh, of, of the people that I represent. Be back in a second with talking about those uh, eight propositions. 
talk about the uh, the eight not uh, not propositions but uh, predictions uh, by 2030 of the World Economic Forum. I'm hoping this will be the shortest segment because I really want to uh, um, to to focus a lot on the conclusion here. But uh, they do bear some studying and being aware of. But again, the the things that are the, these are just examples of uh, the things that we have to be careful for and and uh, and and fight against rather than being things in and of themselves. So number one, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. And then the corollary to that, whatever you want, you'll rent and it'll be delivered by drone. Well, no matter how it's delivered by drone or whatever, that's uh, immaterial to me at this point. But uh, isn't it interesting that um, uh, it's, it, it sounds so, uh, so benign at the surface, but uh what we what we rent and not own, so somebody else is going to control that. If I rent my house, I really don't have control over that. I can get kicked out of my house anytime. It can be rationed. It can be taken away. I, I, it, uh, if people don't like what I do or say, then I can be canceled out of that. And, uh, you know, you just look at the things that, like, somebody can shut off my electricity or my phone or my bank account or my Internet uh, from a computer screen somewhere far away from me. And it will not mean one thing to them. Uh, and I'll have very little recourse about that. So uh, the, this idea that that is any way necessarily a good thing uh, is not right and just belies the, 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 the big government uh, kind of global control, centralized control over things. Second, and probably the most uh, important for us as, uh, as Americans here, uh, the U.S. won't be the world's leading superpower. And then the corollary is a handful of countries will dominate. So the idea is that, uh, that uh, kind of like a, a big United Nations will govern and uh, the, the, the sun will be shining and the birds will be chirping and, and everything will be beautiful uh, for everybody. It's kind of like Paul McCartney's uh, Imagine. Well, uh, some set of ideas has got to dominate. And the idea behind America and that uh, the ideas that underpin freedom, the necessity of that, um, uh, uh, faith being one of those things, uh, is, is not here. And, and uh, the U.S. Uh, has uh, in so many ways used its power so benevolently and not always, of course, but um, uh, the idea of keeping America strong, whether it's the only superpower, but for America to lead the free world is very important for that to, uh, to continue if we want to be free. And I just point out that uh, one of the things that Denver had pointed out to us at Patriot Academy, that if the 21st century isn't an American century, it won't be a free century. So we have to work on spreading these ideas and fighting these things and keeping our country strong so that we can continue to lead in the fight for freedom. Uh, number three, I'll just pass on, you won't die waiting for an organ donor. And then the corollary, you won't transplant organs, we'll just print new ones instead. So I'll get my new uh, hip joint or my new heart printed from a 3D printer and I'm not afraid to die. My, my days are in God's hands, so I'm not going to worry about that one. Now, a little bit more near and dear to my heart, you'll meet, eat less, <laughs> you'll eat much less meat. And then the corollary, an occasional treat, not a staple food for the good of the environment and our health. Well, here's that. It's, it's kind of up to me how much meat that I want to eat. 
and who's going to decide how occasional my treat is going to be. Uh, and then, uh, uh, again, uh, we want to think and talk about the environment, but uh, climate change should not be the thing that's driving uh, our, that's the main thing driving our decisions. So uh, there's that whole idea of who's going to control this. And uh, I doubt that behind it's going to be my choice. Number five, a billion people will dis be displaced by climate change. Corollary, we'll have to do a better job of welcoming and integrating refugees. So my comment about this is in the corollary about welcoming and integrating refugees. And that is our, you know, our, our business about our, our, our borders and our border crisis. And that word integrating, um, I'm not sure how much different that is from assimilating. And I know assimilating isn't a, isn't a, uh, a popular word uh, amongst um, uh, some people because that indicates that, you know, to be an American requires uh, subscribing to a set of ideas and ideals. And uh, for us to have a, a diversity of people who are not willing to uh, to subscribe to those ideals or people that are uh, outright out to undermine them, that uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, number six, polluters will have to pay and emit carbon uh, will have to pay to emit carbon dioxide. Corollary, there will be a global price on carbon. This will help make fossil fuels history. Well, our current energy crisis speaks to this. Uh, uh, climate change is not the the number one driving issue, and uh, we we need to maintain our energy independence and to make it a long term goal to get away from fossil fuels as much as possible. But the goal to get away from that is going to end up uh, with much more insidious ends uh, than the good it will do. And uh, so lots more we could say about that, but I'll go on. Uh, number seven, you could be preparing to go to Mars. Uh, two corollaries. Scientists will have worked out how to keep you healthy in space. And will this be the start of a journey to find alien life? Uh, none of this is of, uh, is of any consequence to me. So I'll go right on. Number eight. And finally, Western values will have been tested to the breaking point. Corollary. Checks and balances that underpin our democracies must not be forgotten. First of all, the, 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 the corollary doesn't work with Western values because checks and balances are part of that. Uh, if there's anything that doesn't have checks and balances, it's the whole business of this globalist uh, World Economic Forum uh, business that we've been talking about. So Western values uh, are the, the ones that will promote the most freedom uh, in the Judeo-Christian uh, system that believes that there is a uh, uh, that there is some kind of a god that we're accountable to, and, and there's lots of ways to to discuss that. But to have the freedom to discuss that uh, is important. That requires uh, liberty, requires faith, uh, which or which uh, liberty requires freedom, which requires faith. There's our golden triangle. Uh, back in a second, really stay tuned for this uh, end because I think the words of this uh, quote with Patrick Henry will be very inspiring. I'm back for the conclusion and the, uh, the quotes. I want to, uh, to, to read for you the last couple of, uh, of paragraphs of Patrick Henry's Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech. And I think he really made a good 
uh, case for if, if there's a war on, we might as well realize it and uh, with God as our help, uh, seek to do everything we possibly can in our own strength to be able to, to be faithful to him and what we feel he would have us do. So the, the first, uh, where it picks up, it's, he's talking about the, the, uh, the disproportionate force that Britain has come in, has, has brought in, in order to deal uh, with the, some of the issues in the colonies. And, and, and in his words, to put in, uh, to, to do a work of love and reconciliation, which as Americans, we should be uh, seeking to do with our fellow Americans and not to divide. So here are Patrick Henry's eloquent words. Are fleets and armies necessary to a work of love and reconciliation? Have we shown ourselves so unwilling to be reconciled that force must be called in to win back our love? Let us not deceive ourselves, sir. These are the implements of war and subjugation, the last arguments to which kings resort. I ask, gentlemen, sir, what, does, what means this martial array, if its purpose is not to force us to submission? Can a gentleman assign any other possible motive for it? It is vain, sir, to extenuate, which means to, to make it seem less serious, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war has actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we idle here? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. That's the end of the speech. Uh, so for me, liberty in that context, I, I would divine that as the liberty not to kind of sit in my jacuzzi and, uh, you know, sip beverages and uh, spend my children's inheritance, so to speak, so to speak, but the liberty to preach the gospel and to uh, to to live out that gospel and uh, and the truths of the Bible as they apply to all of life. And so, uh, you know, our, our listeners, I would just encourage you that, yes, there is a war on. The, the, the things are already in the field. You look at the force uh, that is being proposed to enforce these things uh, and to, to do anything but do a work of love and reconciliation. I know this on like flowery terms, but, but to, to do a work of unifying in terms of how grateful we should be to be Americans, uh, how, much, uh, how much power we have to lead the world and to help uh, provide a way forward for this and liberty and freedom. So uh, some encouragement, God's in control. Uh, the outcome is not a slam dunk in any legitimate war. Uh, so we don't know what's going to happen to America. Uh, if we've read the end of the Bible, uh, America really doesn't figure in, in, in at the end of, of, of biblical prophecies from what we can tell. But uh, as we've said a lot, the duty is ours, um, uh, but the results are God's. And so that that's kind of my watch cry. I'm trying to do what I can, what I feel God is leading me to do, uh, to preach the gospel, number one, 
but also uh, apply the truths of the Bible to all of life, including uh, how we get along with one another, both our fellow believers and the people in the rest of the world. It doesn't, doesn't take a majority, just a dedicated core. Uh, and so uh, pray about what would God, God would have you do, your little, little place, and uh, be faithful there. Um, so, and, and evil, unless God uh, allows it, will eventually implode on itself. You look at the French Revolution, even the Nazi thing. It was an awful period, but it was uh, uh, you know, only you know, 10 or 15 years uh, where it was a thing, and it imploded on itself. Uh, and then let's work with our, our fellow freedom-loving Americans and others around the world uh, for that work of love and re- reconciliation as much as it has to do with us. Look at the resources of the week. Email us at uh, uh, goodfight71 at gmail.com. And we'll look forward to uh, being back with you soon with our next episode. God bless you and let's keep up the good fight.